Well, good morning, and thank you so much for tuning in here to Spotlight Hawaii. I'm Ryan Kalesuji, joined by Yanju Denise. And uh, of course, this is a program where we like to spotlight some of the issues and topics that are making headlines here in the state of Hawaii. And today we're going to be shifting gears away from COVID-19. Of course, that has been a topic and conversation that has dominated much of our discussion over the past year. Uh, but there certainly are other things that are happening in the state. And today's topic uh, surrounds the legalization of marijuana, Yanji. Yeah, that's right, Ryan. I mean, there have been a lot of discussions about this over the year, and it is, again, front and center at the le state legislature, lawmakers looking at a bill that would legalize marijuana. So we want to bring in State Senator Chris Lee, um, who is one of the folks that is pushing this proposal, along with Gregory Chapkis, who is the executive director of Coalition Dr for Drug-Free Hawaii. Um, of course, these two gentlemen have opposing views on this topic, but this is not your formal debate. This is really a discussion where we can dive into the issues around this proposal and also get questions from you in the audience. Uh, what do you want to know about the push to legalize marijuana here in the state? Uh, let's start off with you, Senator Lee. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, you know, Hawaii a few years back passed a, a measure that decriminalized a small amount of marijuana, bumping it down to a fine. Can you just tell people, give people a lay of the land as to what's legal right now and what you would, what you're advocating for? Sure, and thanks for having me. And and um, to your point, I think actually um, Gregory and I actually agree on I think a lot of a lot of this discussion because we all want to see I think better outcomes, which is the end of the day. Whether the law um, legalizes something or doesn't, the question is how do we get to this better place? And so right now in Hawaii, uh, you know, we have a situation where for for many many years, uh, decades, um, cannabis has been illegal generally. Um, the legislature took some action years ago to try and set up a, a medical marijuana program, which um, took many years to get off the ground. And finally, only a few years ago, it really got going. So right now, uh, cannabis can be used for medical purposes with a um, essentially a doctor's note and a card for that. Um, but also last year or two years ago now, we changed the law to decriminalize um, cannabis. And what that means is it's not legal. Um, it's still illegal. Uh, unless you're part of that medical program. But instead of the traditional catching someone with it and then sending them to jail, um, slapping or throwing the book at them and, and slapping them with a bunch of fines and, and jail time, this takes a step that other countries and states and, and basically anyone who's looked at the data um, thinks is a better way forward. So instead of going to jail, you can find people and basically give them a traffic ticket. And what this does in the intent was to stop um, demonizing people uh, destroying, giving them a criminal record that ultimately destroys their their job prospects, their ability to um, get education grants, and and basically function in life in a in a case where you know we want people to better themselves and improve themselves. So um, this would basically provide a better legal pathway forward for people that isn't going to just add people to our jail system and not solve the problem of drug dependence or whatever else might be the root cause of their problem. Uh, Greg, we want to bring you in here uh, to start off this conversation. Uh, what are your thoughts moving at? And, and as you, you know, represent this coalition, uh, your thoughts on this push to legalize marijuana here in the state? Uh, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, you know, I, I think a uh, move slow approach and a science-based approach is probably the best, uh, the best way to go. And I, I do agree with uh, Senator Lee that and actually, if you look at the, you know, what the scientists and the metal expert, medical experts say is, um, you know, some form of decriminalization is is a proper in the right form of decriminalization is the proper thing to do to uh, 
make sure that we take care of, um, you know, social justice issues, um, lots of times impacting uh, minority groups, et cetera. Uh, my organization works mostly really with youth and families. And we're just trying to um, help, you know, create, you know, a good environment for them to learn, you know, succeed in life, uh, graduate from school, et, et cetera. And if you look at what substances um, hang up uh, adolescents, it's uh, alcohol, tobacco, and marijuana by far. And um, the greater that uh, these are uh, prevalent and available in society, the more the more use there is. It's just simply that way. If you look at kind of what's happened with vaping, um, right? It's just kind of overtaken us. And um, and we know about 10% of the kids that are vaping are vaping some sort of THC product too. So we really want to uh, protect the kids. And we know that, you know, if, if you're a child, I mean, the, the science shows again, that if you're a child of uh, someone who smokes or even smoked marijuana in the past, um, you're two and a half to four times more likely to smoke yourselves. And then if if we got kids doing that, they're they're not succeeding in school the way they could be. Uh, Senator Lee, what, let's talk about the details of the proposal specifically. Right now, since a small amount already has been decriminalized, um, why is that not enough? What would you actually like to see happen? So um, and let me return to one point uh, real quick, because I, I know uh, we keep throwing around the term marijuana, but one of the things that we had a great debate on uh, here at the state capitol and, and around the country is, sort of trying to identify what this actually is, right? I mean, the, the real term is cannabis. And and this goes back to part of the reason why I think our laws are the way they are and why we're trying to change them. Because going back to the 20s to the, the 60s, really, you know, as, as um, drugs were criminalized throughout the United States, I mean, a lot of it was tied into racism, to ability to try and uh, demonize certain populations and minorities by associating them with certain things. And marijuana in particular, was um, was one of these key targets. And um, there's a guy, I forget his name, I think his last name was um, Anslinger. He was the federal commissioner who led the prohibition effort for the feds from for about almost 40 years um, through multiple presidencies. And he, he basically said that there's um, a handful of, of folks in the US that use marijuana and try to tie it in with something that sounds foreign. And they're you know, Negroes, Hispanics, Filipinos, and it's gonna cause them with their satanic uh, music and jazz and swing and all this other stuff and these crazy quotes that today um, you know, have nothing to do with what we're talking about, um, was used to sort of demonize. And that's sort of the history of this. So we actually changed a lot to change the term to cannabis because what we're really talking about is just um, a, a natural plant and a remedy. We want to disassociate ourselves with, I think, the past of all of that, going even through, you know, the Nixon presidency, trying to demonize hippies and, and tie it to to that. And so when we talk about this, you know, these laws that we're trying to change now are a relic of that era and a relic of trying to um, control a population and take away some of that freedom. And, and unlike uh, alcohol and tobacco, which are you know perfectly legal today, it really comes down to responsible use. And how do you um, set up laws so that people are free to uh, responsibly live their lives, especially if there's something that can help them. And in this case, you know, clearly uh, cannabis can have a positive effect for some people when used in moderation. So what we'd like to see, going back to your question, um, right now the law is uh, up to three grams of uh, cannabis um, can get you a, a ticket essentially and is illegal any more than that and you're still going to jail. But ultimately, I think in the long run, as we're seeing states around the country um, legalize completely, um, we're looking for setting up a framework so that we can have a responsible 
um, market set up that is well regulated and addresses, I think, a lot of the concerns that um, were raised about underage use and um, all the other potential ills that come from it, but it's give us all the benefits too. And I think that's where we're where we're targeting. How do we set that up so it fits Hawaii so we can have the best outcome? As a follow-up to that, Senator, if, if you can update us on the actual legislation that is currently uh, in the state legislature this year and where we're at with that. Sure. So there were um, a, a couple of bills introduced this year. Um, I put two of them in. One um, created a, a legalized framework for cannabis. Um, the second one decriminalized further to um, about an ounce of cannabis. So you'd still get a, a ticket for having that much, but fewer people would be going to jail. Um, and that's about average across the country. It roughly announces what's decriminalized now in the 13 states that have decriminalized. Obviously, the 17 other states that have fully legalized, you can have um, much more than that, depending on the state. But but generally, that's um, the, the gist of the two bills. So they were heard in their hearings. The Senate passed both of those bills to the House. Um, unfortunately, it didn't get a hearing in the House. But I will say, you know, it's encouraging because this is the furthest that any legislation has ever got in Hawaii um, to this end. And at a time when almost half the US population lives in states where um, cannabis is fully legalized and where the overwhelming um, support of, of the general population out there continues to grow, it seems like it's inevitable. So the question is, how do we do it right? Uh, Greg, I want to bring in this question from Ingrid Peterson. You brought up youth that you work with. She says, I recently worked in, in middle and high schools for 16 years. Students who want cannabis can already get it easily. Legalization would mean we'd know what was in the marijuana and be able to tax it. What's your take on that? Uh, I don't know that um, legalization would mean we would know, you know what's in it necessarily because there's still going to be any legal state right now probably has a really thriving black market. Uh, secondly, you know, when we talk about marijuana um, and, you know, it's, everyone thinks, well, it's a plant, it's natural, it should be legal. You know, up until about, you know, 20 years ago or so, it, it was fairly natural and it had about a 5% THC, maybe 10% THC content. Um, what we're talking about now is really legalizing THC, not legalizing the plant of marijuana, because even when Colorado legalized it, it had maybe you know 10% THC product was was there and now most of it is uh, high THC content 70% of the sales are high THC content uh, derivatives it's not stuff that you would see in a uh, in a joint wrapped up in smoke it's something that's going to be dabbed vaporized um, and it's it's seriously concerning i think the more that we bring um, product like that uh, into uh, hawaii or anywhere in the market the more trouble we're going to see um, not just with youth, but um, with, you know, impaired driving deaths, et cetera. And, and they've seen that across the nation already. Yeah, I want to, Greg, if I can follow up on that, as we discuss this uh, conversation, not only here locally, but we're seeing what's happening on the mainland with other states moving forward and, and to this degree, legalizing it. What have you uh, seen from what other states have done uh, that concern you maybe, or that could, you know, raises a, a few red flags on your end? Uh, because obviously, the conversation has to be had uh, for your coalition and what you, the work you folks do on a national level as well. Uh, what are you learning from the other states? Well, you know, I think some of it is uh, kind of a Pandora's box uh, sort of thing where they're, like I mentioned, the, um, 
impaired driving, but uh, with youth, uh, youth use, um, I think uh, cannabis use disorder, which is a fancy term for addiction, uh, has increased 25% among youth in legalized states. And right now, for instance, the state pays for about 1,700 kids to receive some sort of substance abuse treatment. That's in Hawaii here. Uh, over 60 to or 60 to 65% is for cannabis use disorder. So we already have uh, plenty of that going around. The estimated need is uh, over 5,000, you know, youth a year. So we're not addressing the need we have already. And we're talking about introducing another, you know, impairing addictive substance into the community. And I think, you know, Colorado's looking at limiting THC now because they didn't, it, it wasn't a thing like it is now. And so they're looking at limiting THC use. Uh, California is looking at lowering the uh, taxes because black market weed is just more affordable than um, the legal weed. So I think there's just a lot of issues going on out there. But if, if I think the primary thing is it is a drug, right? It's legalized as medical marijuana. It's a drug. And I think the first question should be, is it safe? Is it good for our community? Is this, how's this going to help our community just kind of on the health and wellness? And if you look at what the doctors say, the pediatricians are against it, American Medical Association's against it, American Academy of, you know, psychiatric, um, or American Society of Addiction Medicine, they're against it. All the, most of, you know, medical groups are, are not for it at all. So I think we, if we answer the health question first, then we move on to, can we make it, you know, can we make it safe and can we make money doing this? Well, let's talk about that. Senator, are there ways to put guardrails uh, to prevent some of what Greg's talking about? Absolutely. And I think this is exactly the, the concerns Greg talks about um, in many cases are, are totally real. But I think it's exactly the reason why we want to create a legalized, regulated framework that properly um, puts those guardrails in place. So the product that we're creating, um, I mean, just as society generally, kind of cannabis products that are out there, are safe, are regulated, are monitored, because right now we know it's already out there. I mean, you can get stuff off the street pretty much anywhere. Anybody who's in um, high school, college, anywhere, um, older adults. I mean, uh, I, I'm going to tell this story for the, maybe the first time publicly, but you know, my before the medical marijuana program stood up, my my sister has um, who grew up here with me has uh, MS and was diagnosed with that, and for years, my mom ended up being her dealer um, illegally because, you know, for a long time, the medication that she had to pay were hundreds of thousands of dollars in costs, or she could just do this. And, and the stuff that they were getting, um, you know, came from unknown sources. And there's a real question there. And today, still, you can get that. That black market exists in Hawaii. And it's available. You know, pretty much everybody knows this is a real thing. So the question is, we can't just ignore that, right? We can't make policy for an ideal world and pretend everything's utopian. And um, so what we have to do is create policy to address this reality. And if we want to learn from the other states, one of the big lessons that we have learned is, generally speaking, in states that have um, created uh, legalized frameworks for proper regulation, underage use has declined in many cases. And you've been able to um, address some of those concerns about where stuff's coming from. And this is a real concern here in Hawaii because on the windward side, um, not too long ago, we did have um, 
uh, young adult who unfortunately got something that was apparently laced with all kinds of other stuff that is just way more dangerous and ended up um, losing their life. And this kind of thing doesn't have to be this way. And we know that there are steps we can take to address uh, many cases like this. And I think that's what we're trying to get at. It's how do we create a safe, regulated market that protects everybody to the extent that we can. You know, Senator, a few years ago, the state moved forward and did allow for the use of medical marijuana and setting up those facilities. We know that that was a pretty lengthy process uh, that had to get going to organize what that looked like. Uh, there was a few hiccups over the time. With something like you're describing, are you concerned at just the logistics of it, how that would be implemented and executed, uh, knowing what we saw with medical marijuana and all the steps that would have to be taken to figure out what department would oversee this on the state level, the resources that they would have to get? I mean, logistically, there's a lot that would have to be implemented, I'm assuming. Um, sure. So I think the great thing is, you know, there's a lot of other places that have already done this and they've been doing it uh, in some cases longer than a decade. And so there's a lot of good models to look at to see what worked, what didn't. We know that in Hawaii, we are obviously a little bit different, um, but we also have um, some real benefit where we are isolated, right? We're an island chain. Um, we're not going to get a lot of stuff pouring over state lines, um, but we can't create an export market for that. Uh, but I think that's where a lot of the regulation is going to come into play. You know, we want to keep and maintain, I think everybody generally agrees, um, the sort of medical grade setup we have for our, our medical program because it ensures a higher level of um, quality and, and other considerations for those purposes. But generally, um, the rest of it, I mean, I think is more about a question of uh, who is allowed to produce and what are those requirements going to be. I think the departments themselves um, have been hesitant up until now because of um, we just haven't gone down that road yet, but we clearly have done it a number of times with other products um, in many cases. And this is one of those opportunities where, you know, we talk about diversifying our economy over and over, and especially now coming out of COVID and in other states that have done this, that have set it up right through their departments and have the state involved, you know, they're creating tens of thousands of jobs, um, about 70,000 jobs across the country just in 2020 alone, even during the pandemic. And that's something that we can use here in a way that gives us a huge local benefit and the resources from that can go back into those state departments and back to the community to treat things like other drug uh, dependencies and rehabilitation and give us a lot of opportunity that otherwise doesn't exist. Uh, to that point, uh, Teddy Cam says, economic opportunity, diversify away from tourism. Greg, what about the uh, economic benefit to the state? You know, what about that argument? Because it is compelling. Some states are, are doing rather well in this industry. Um, I think, again, you have to weigh your harms versus your benefits. Um, lots of times we look at, the, you know, the tax revenues in those states and we get very anxious about we're missing out on these things. Um, but you know we have to look at who we are as a state what we value the experience of being in hawaii living here um there are many things we can make money off of you know expanding our bnbs in kailua you know we could uh legalize gambling and and increase tax revenues we uh, prostitution i mean it could be in any number of things um that we could do to increase tax revenues and um i i just you know think to myself i see the harms uh to kids to youth um and and some of the harms that um we're just kind of getting a hold of right now because of uh the new higher thc content where it's you know increased psychosis etc and i'm thinking is this really the best we can do to uh, sell drugs to you know balance the books just because i mean we know gambling occurs and people can go out and gamble 
Um, so there's a black market for gambling. Do we say, well, since there's a black market for gambling, let's make it legal and let's go ahead and make some money off of that deal. So I don't, you know, I don't buy that argument. I disagree just a little bit. And, and I think I think um, it's a good analogy made with gambling and some other stuff. Um, Airbnbs and Kailua is a, uh, a great one. But I think the truth here is you can have a win-win in this case where you're not compromising because we know already that a lot of those impacts in our community, like the, the teen who unfortunately lost their life um, because they got unsafe product. And if we want to reduce underage use and provide resources to deal with actual treatment and not just criminalize something um, or pretend like it's it's not gonna be an issue that we can't address properly, you know, I, I think this is an opportunity to do both. We can create that framework that limits THC, that puts a product out there that we know will be safer and at the same time, use that revenue for things like public schools and safer roads and all the rest of it. So I feel like it's not necessarily uh, one or the other, but it can be both. And I think a lot of states that have done this have seen positive benefit on both sides. You know, earlier in this broadcast, Senator, you spoke about where we're at with this current legislation uh, that you intro uh, introduced uh, and it being stalled in the House. So, you know, there clearly is still debate that has to be happening and conversations that you're trying to have uh, with your counterparts to encourage them to move this forward. Uh, you know, the governor who also said on this program a few months back that this wasn't something that he would have, uh, he supports. Uh, he believes that it should be done on the federal level. So there are some obstacles in, in having to overcome in order to get people to buy into what you're trying to promote here and what you would like to advance. If you can speak to what you're trying to do or the, those types of conversations to maybe get some of your colleagues to be more open to this idea. Sure. Um, you know, when we when we originally started these conversations um, at the state level, like you know, many many years ago, um, it, it wasn't something that got a lot of traction. There wasn't a lot of discussion. But I think today that's rapidly changing, and there's a lot more education going on. I mean, the bill overwhelmingly passed the Senate with only a handful of no votes, and um, I would think um, that tracks public support. And it's not really me so much pushing this. I think. You know, there's generations of people realizing that, hey, there's really, this isn't a big deal. This isn't the end of the world. The sky's not going to fall. It's already out there. And other places are doing it right in many cases. So what can we learn from that and do it ourselves? And if you look, I mean, nationally, like the, the polling has trended so quickly in, in towards support. I mean, today, I think it's about 70% nationally. The last report I saw, uh, the last poll just a, a couple months ago um, in support. We've polled our district here in Hawaii. Um, well, I pulled my district and some of our colleagues have, and uh, the numbers I'm seeing are about the same, roughly a little bit, little bit higher, about 72 to 73% um, for, for our area. And I, mean, I think that's something that makes this an inevitable conversation. So the question isn't so much, um, how do we um, get that conversation going? It's already going. The question is, how do we, I think, craft something that makes sense that um, puts you know the right guardrails on things that will give us ultimately the better outcome all around. And so that's sort of the, the stage we're entering into where this is now a reality um, and a political reality that is very possible here in Hawaii for the first time, perhaps ever. And the question is now we've got to get all the all the voices at the table, um, you know, groups far and wide, um, uh, like Greg's and others. And I mean, I served on the board of the Meth Project for a number of years and have a lot of experience, I think, with sort of this, you know, we we want something, we want to prohibit it completely. Black market cr is created and there's all kinds of other problems. Prohibition didn't work. We want to get past that. We want to have real policy and a real debate around that. And I think that's exactly where we're at now. 
Greg, if it, if this is, as the senator is saying, basically an inevitability, is there a path forward that you can see where there would be some form of legalization uh, while still preventing some of the outcomes that you were talking about? Well, um, I don't see it as an inevitability. I'm from Michigan. I'm a Detroit Lions fan. And so I'm um, used to being an underdog. Um, but I would say this, if you look at, um, just first refer to the science. And I think that's what a lot of people have been saying about COVID. Let's just follow the science. And I think we refer to the science, refer to the doctors and what they say, you know, public safety officials, et cetera. That's going to help us get uh, further down the road. I haven't seen the legislation, the bills change that much over the years. They don't, they don't change with what's happening uh, in regard to kind of the science that's happening right now in the research. Um, we, the, the, Association, uh, American Society of Addiction Medicine. Um, the president is Dr. Bill Hanning from Jabsom. He's an addiction psychiatrist. He's essentially our local Dr. Fauci for these issues. And they have a extremely robust policy statement that regular lay people like me can read that says, you know, we're really not for it, but if you were to do it, these are the things you should do they lay out all these things, all these guidelines, et cetera. If, if there was legislation that had that kind of detail in there, that would probably be the safest and smartest path forward. That's, that's just what I would say. You know, our time here is already up. Uh, this conversation on time definitely flew by with this topic. Uh, Greg, I do want to give you an opportunity uh, to have any final thoughts on this uh, as we wrap things up and any final words that you might have about this issue? Well, I'll just say, you know, again, we're, we're there to try and protect the youth. My organization is and in conditions that uh, increase youth use, our access, you know, normalization and perception of harm and the perception of harm of marijuana has decreased over the past few years as we're starting to see it as, you know, medicine, we think it's medicine now. And more youth are, um, trying, youth being adolescents, are trying, you know, marijuana for the first time than they are cigarettes because we did such a good job with, you know, public health statements on cigarettes and tobacco and the harms. And so I would just say, you know, just making something legal is not going to necessarily, you know, decrease use or make sure we have a, you know, better handle on it. We have issues with opioids. We have issues with vaping. We're trying to reduce drunk driving or, you know, the tobacco fund, uh, you know, is led by what because of a situation with big tobacco. Big tobacco is behind marijuana legalization, make no doubt about it. And they're the ones who stand to gain the most on this. And uh, Senator will also allow you the opportunity. Uh, obviously you are passionate about this. Uh, you, This is something that you would like to see done. Your thoughts uh, for anyone that may be watching out there today. Sure. Um you know, I think this is an opportunity and I agree with Greg. I think, you know, we, we can do things differently to protect youth, to protect, I think, those who need help and better uh, regulate a market and create a safer product here, which is already here and already dangerous in many cases. So I think if we're for um, freedom and responsibility and, and making sure that we do things right for people, we can create a legal framework that allow folks to do that while reducing underage use, which has been the experience of all the states that have already legalized because they're able to put guardrails on it, create a safer product, make sure that's accessible only to some folks. And you're not gonna solve every problem, but it'll go a long way. And we've seen overall benefit, I think. And that's something that will create a safer regulated Hawaii um, when it comes to this kind of 
this kind of thing. On top of that, of course, uh, you know, the, the budget hat side of me uh, and our legislative responsibilities can also say we can take that revenue and put it back into our local economy, back into better schools, better treatment for other drug issues. There's all kinds of stuff we can do. And I'll wrap it up by just saying, um, you know, Colorado had uh, got about $1.6 billion in revenue um, for the time that it's been legalized. We could build 16 public schools with that kind of revenue to say nothing of um, the kind of support that we want to fight big tobacco, to fight these uh, criminal interests and others that are trying to ultimately profit by hurting people. But I think we have to do it in a smart way and creating a legalized framework that allows us to make those decisions and doesn't let other people do an end run with their black market products is the way to do it. Okay, well, State Senator Chris Lee and Gregory Chapkis from the Coalition for Drug-Free Hawaii, thank you both so much for being here today and sharing your passions on this topic that gets a lot of passion from our audience as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, very interesting to hear both sides on that. And, um, you know, the, as, as the senator mentioned, the bill that he is pushing got the furthest it has gotten uh, ever in the legislature. So this is a conversation that continues to be ongoing. Um, we've seen, you know, just in the last few weeks, New York and, I'm, and I believe it's Mississippi had just legalized marijuana. And so we continue to see, you know, a hodgepodge of states here and there. But, you know, part of the reason the governor, uh, when he was on, said that he did not support this is that it is still illegal on the federal level. And so with the states sort of making their own rules, um, it does create, a, you know, a, a dilemma for the states. And then no doubt is an issue that continues to have a very passionate opinions on both sides. And we're seeing it in our comment sections as well with some of you advocating for this and, and some who are against it. And it really is something that continues to be a hot topic in the community and something that lawmakers will have to address in how they move forward. You know, there, there are those uh, who believe in this uh, issue and that want to see this pass, but no doubt there are others uh, in the legislature that maybe are a little less, uh, are a little more weary about doing something like this. And so as we know right now uh, with this current legislation, it currently is stalled in the House and not looking like it will uh, advance in this session. But as the Senator says, uh, he believes this is inevitable, that this is something that is happening, that is gaining momentum and traction over the time. And it's not a matter of if, but when at, at this point. Yeah, so we appreciate both of them being on. We appreciate all of you for being here as well. We're going to be back here on Friday with Anne Pereira Eustaquio from the Department of Labor and Industrial Relations. Um, she, of course, is going to talk about unemployment benefits. We know a lot of you have been having some issues with uh, getting through that system. They have now set up a system for online appointments, so we're going to be talking to her about that. They are limited, but how do you get one and what can you resolve in that? You know, in those appointments, we're going to be talking to her about all of that. Ryan, she's always a very popular guest. Yeah, no doubt she has. will have a lot of updates for us uh, as they continue to also fight through fraud and some of the issues that they're having there as well. So looking forward to that conversation. And then next week, we'll be starting off uh, another week with the governor to get an update uh, on all the things that are happening here in the state, including, of course, the, uh, the vaccination passport, if you will, or this vaccination card that will allow uh, travel to potentially happen between neighbor islands that many are hoping will begin uh, on May 1st. We've talked to the Lieutenant Governor about that issue, so we'll be sure to follow up with the Governor. Again, this is next week, Monday, we'll be having that conversation with him. But until then, uh, we look forward to seeing all of you right back here on Friday at 1030 here for another edition of Spotlight Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha.